when I was a paramedic, occasionally we would answer calls to unresponsive patients for unknown reasons. We had no idea what the problem might be or even who they were. At times, they would even be admitted to the hospital as John or Jane Doe. What if it was you and your family didn't know? What if it's your family member? We'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us this evening, and we're going to talk about a very important medical subject. How can we safely carry medical emergency documents, instructions, or even our medical preferences with us in case of an emergency, and more to the point, in case we are unable to communicate with the persons taking care of us? That's the whole point of it. We were visiting with some folks, and we were having a discussion at the dinner table, and one of the gentlemen pulled out a necklace chain, and it had dog tags and a thumb drive. And I looked at it, and it was quite interesting. His had a label on it that said, do not resuscitate. Oh, yeah. Well, that caught my attention. And he explained, and and for his own personal reasons, no matter the situation, he does not want to be resuscitated. So that's why he has it labeled that way. But this particular thumb drive contained all of his medical information. It contained... DNR or do not resuscitate orders. And that was notarized, signed, everything perfectly legal. In addition, he had all of his medical information on there. I believe he even indicated that he had banking and financial information in there as well. He may have. I thought it was a great idea. In fact, as we were driving home, I told Krista that I want to order some of the dog tags They're only like five bucks for a pair. What would you have engraved on a dog tag? Uh, Name, obviously. And I would probably have uh, blood type on there. And I may even have contact info on it. Or I may have on that dog tag refer to thumb drive. I see. And just wear it, you know, all the time under your clothes. Just wear it on a chain. And that's exactly what he had. You didn't see it in under his clothes. You didn't see it through his clothes. And wearing it there would not be a problem. And I think I'm actually in the process of making those thumb drives for us, getting all of the information that we need to put on there. And I'm simply going to label ours medical info. Okay. Probably put medical on one side and info on the other, because it's probably not going to be long enough. I mean, it doesn't have to be very big. Oh, right. All it really needs, the thumb drive just needs a hole where you can put the chain through it. Uh, You know, the more we got to thinking about that, we thought that's just a perfectly practical and rather brilliant kind of a system. And this particular gentleman at the dinner table, he is someone who travels literally the world. He could at any time be in Italy or... Hong Kong or Portugal or Chile. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that because he is a global traveler 
And he's often with his family, but many times he is not. He's a lone traveler as well. And I thought, you know, that's kind of smart when you think about it, because the Internet is pretty much touches every developed nation. And he could be in one of these foreign countries and God forbid something happen medically to him and he's not able to communicate. And they've got computers. They can plug this information in and in a very short amount of time, they can reach his uh, next of kin, points of contact, emergency uh, it, that sort of information is accessible. And I've, I had never thought about wearing a thumb drive. It has really inspired us uh, to do this kind of thing. It's always with you. Yeah. And it will be found by emergency medical providers. I mean, if you go in and you're unconscious, it's, and they don't know why. I mean, they're going to be starting basic stuff on you anyway. And what I'm trying to, what I'm dancing around saying is, when you get in the ER, they're going to cut your clothes off. Well, yeah, and so that's so definitely there's done. that thumb drive. And, you know, you can create individual files on that thumb drive for certain types of information to make it quicker to locate. Yes, and uh, do not encrypt those files. It needs to be some type of a universal format. It can be Word files or PDF files. It would probably even be better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole idea here is... You want the information to be revealed. Yeah. What you were saying about the individual files containing certain info, if you have allergies, and I will get to this in a little bit, but don't put it down toward the bottom of the list. Make a file that says allergies. Yes. Like, yeah, and exactly. so if you're looking at it, you click on it, and boom, there it is. I'd make it large print, mm-hmm. and there's the allergies, which you have an allergy to a medicine. I don't that I know of. Mm -hmm. My dad did, and he was always letting that be known. Right. And, you know, there's people out there that have life-threatening allergies. Mm -hmm. And, yes, you definitely want to have that at the top of the list. If you're very allergic to a type of medication, you certainly don't want someone administering that to you. Yeah, you can put whatever you want in that file. But my point right here is name that file separately. We're not going to have one PDF on there that has everything. Right. We're going to have several PDFs that they can And you may want to put that in order of importance, perhaps. I mean, just... Well, you could number them... One, two, three, four, and name it. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted them to be in the order of importance, but they can scan down a list of eight or ten files and find the one that they want. You know, you were telling me that even the on-scene medics have access to the computers. They carry laptops in the ambulance, so they can plug in right there. They'll come walking into a call and have that there. They no longer do handwritten charts, more or less, like we used to. Yeah. One of them will be documenting the vital signs on the computer, mm-hmm. on the scene as they're doing it. If the ambulance did not have one, most fire trucks or many fire trucks today have computers in them because their calls get dispatched by computer. Yeah. In addition to the radio call, the details are put into that computer. And certainly most police cars or Sheriff's office cars or state troopers have computers in them now. And in an emergency situation, certainly we would plug that in there and pull that off. It's good to know. Well, let's take a short break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You've heard that you don't know what you don't know until you know. That's certainly true when carrying a concealed handgun. 
Here's just a few of the topics covered in the basic training in the base handgun training system. Firearm safety, dry fire practice, clearing malfunctions, emergency combat reloads, handling of failure to fire, whether it's clearing a stove pipe or a double feed, and drawing from concealment. There's a lot more in the base handgun training system, and this is just some of the basics you'll learn. Check it out. Base Handgun Training System. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Use the code PRACTICALPREPPING, all one word, for a $50 discount. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. If you would like to support us, you can buy us a cup of coffee or you can start your Amazon shopping from our links. Both are on the front of the website. Well, welcome back. We're glad you stayed with us. Now let's talk about some of the information that could be very important for medical personnel in an emergency. Well, you're going to want to include personal information, and this would be your name, your address, your emergency contact individual or group of persons. You would actually want to have scanned images of your driver's license and any of your insurance cards, your health insurance, that sort of thing. You might want to include your doctor's contact information if you've got a general uh, practitioner or a specific one that you want contacted. And if you want to include that, uh, your religion or or belief of choice, you may want to include that information as well. That's very important Mm -hmm. to some. Back to the doctor's contact info, if you could have not only, and I'm kind of stretching here, you could have not only your general practitioner, but if you have had a heart transplant, heart surgery, heart disease, and you have a cardiologist, you may want to include him as well. Or her. Or her. <laughs> or oncologist <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. I don't think it'd be that important to have your cosmetic surgeon on there. But Well, who are we to judge who's going to put okay. what doctor we're, on where? We're, We're not judging. We're not judging. Put who you want, but put whatever doctors that might need to be connected there. Uh Now, here's one that some folks don't think about. We, We had to sign some papers a few years back. The sheriff's department had us fill out a form that if there was an emergency or a death notification to our spouse, who did we want to have a company whoever is making the notification. Oh, my goodness. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And so you might want to include a clergy person's name and contact info. You might want to put a specific person to a company notification personnel. And I've made those death notifications. I've made them with someone, and I've made them without someone. And it's a whole lot better for the ones being notified if there's somebody there that they know that is helping to bring that information. Certainly, And, you know, just as a reminder, we touched on this a moment ago, but in its own separate file, list any allergies, however severe or mild. If it's something that can affect you medically, do put that in there, and somebody will be very appreciative that you've communicated that. Remember, this is vitally important information when you can't say so yourself. And include in that if you're allergic to latex or if you're allergic to medical tape. Oh, exactly. Any of that type stuff put in its own separate file under 
allergies. Also include, as briefly but as concisely as possible, your medical history, any prescriptions that you may be on, any over-the-counter medications that you take regularly or once in a while, any type of supplements, which would include vitamins, minerals, herbal things, natural sourced essential oils. That type of information, believe it or not, is quite important. It can interact with medications that they are giving to you. And continuing with medical history, you want to put down current medical conditions. Are you a diabetic? Type 1, type 2. Do you have CHF, congestive heart failure, high blood pressure? Are you blind in one eye? Is one eye a false eye? Are you wearing prosthetics? Are you hearing impaired? Do what? Are you... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> pray for me, y'all. Pray. Some folks say I have selective hearing. Mm-hmm. I'm about to select something. <laughs> I'm about to select something. <laughs> you may have an extra medical condition if you keep on. <laughs> B- bent head. Yeah, you may have a bent head problem. All right. Include previous medical conditions. Have you had scarlet fever? Have you had cancer? What type? Have you had different surgeries. You know, that's a very important point, too, because there's a lot of folks out there that are now without tonsils and appendix and spleen and maybe one lung. It may be very important for whoever's, you know, working on your body to know what they might be expecting Mm -hmm. to find if they have to open you up. Mm -hmm. How about any transplanted organs? Exactly. Now, they might be able to pick that up off the medication list. The doctors may. Yes. But I don't know of a medic that's going to pick up these anti-rejection drugs. There's Mm -hmm. just too many things. Well, you know, transplants are so common now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in our lifetime, transplants became kind of global news, but they're quite common now. And so, you know, there's going to be a long laundry list of medications for anti-rejection. Yeah, we had a friend that had liver transplant, and until her death, years later, she was on anti-rejection exactly. drugs. So that type of thing. Now, vaccination record. Mm-hmm. Have you had typhoid? Have you know? Have you had the Tdap? Tdap, the MMR, all of those types. Are you up to date? Have you had hepatitis vaccinations? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And just those types of things. Also, too, any of your advanced directives. This is the form that they give you when you enter the hospital or if you're having some work done at the hospital. They're going to want to know your advanced directives. What are your wishes, preferences, and instructions should the outcome not be as positive as you Mm -hmm. might hope? Uh, They want to know if you have a do not resuscitate order. They want to know, do you have a living will? Do you have any medical power of attorney, durable power of attorney? Are you an organ donor? You know, you may or may not be in possession of your driver's license that might state that. So well, have would, that on your form. I would hope at that point I would not already be an organ donor. Yeah, exactly. I would be willing to be an organ donor, but I don't want to be donating any of them. Well, also, too, and in America, we have what's called HIPAA. You know, it's the Health Insurance Privacy Act, you know, to keep people's medical information uh, private, one from another, even from, you know, family members if you're an adult. But you may have some authorized contacts that you would want to have the information of your medical situation 
make that well known to them. You Maybe it's a doctor's office, perhaps it's a trusted family member or friend, someone like that that you have on that file and that thumb drive that you are comfortable with them learning of and, and knowing about your medical situation. You know who I always write in in that blank when it says HIPAA authorized personnel? Anyone who wants to know. Anyone. That, that's just what well, I do. Yeah. I mean, I don't want our daughters. You know, I don't want to have to list our entire family. No, of course not. There's too many of them. Right. So just anybody wants to know, tell them. Because what do I have to hide? Well, and in keeping with the advanced directive, and if you're, you know, being practical about this, you do have to think about your demise. Mm -hmm. And you may have a preferred funeral home. You may have preferred funeral instructions. You may not want a service. You may want to be cremated. We don't know what your preferences might be, but you know. So indicate that. And from the hospital, they're not going to get involved in your funeral preferences, but they are going to be involved in notifying the funeral home. Of course, because of and transporting. So your, that's just yeah. one piece of information that they could have there. Yes. What about children? Well, you know, I thought about this. You know, you can have like a smaller thumb drive for children where you're comfortable with them wearing something, you know, around their neck or, or maybe in their backpack or something. But for underage children or very small children, you want information of who the parents or guardians are or the responsible individual adult for that child. The contact information and hopefully list perhaps more than one individual, you mm -hmm. know, just to make that more convenient because you may not be able to reach one person. So have maybe five or six contact information there. Yeah, parents, grandparents, mm -hmm. siblings, aunts, uncles, things like that. Right. You know, have at least four or five, three or four or five on there just in case of an emergency and they can't get the first Absolutely. three. Absolutely. Another thing is to have a form on there giving permission for emergency life-saving treatment. Yes. Now, there are some laws, in at least in the United States. Now, I would guess in most of the rest of the world that if they're unconscious, the implied consent comes in that they believe that the parent or you, the patient, would want that life-saving treatment, and so they won't withhold that. But when our grandkids were much smaller— and we'd go out, they'd go off places. Then I had a form signed by the daughters in my wallet that gave me permission to seek emergency treatment or to seek medical treatment for them, especially if it was something that they had to have it, they had to have the permission, and they needed to wait until the parent or whoever was able to get to the hospital. So if they were traveling or something like that, it may be a while. So this gave yes. me permission, almost like a medical power of attorney. You know, that's a very important point, too. This just sort of caused me to think that there are a lot of listeners out there who bring their children to visit grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And maybe they stay with grandma and grandpa over the weekend while the parents go on, on their own vacation. Have you thought about a written form of permission to leave with those grandparents, just like what you're saying. It is a it is a legally binding, mm -hmm. permissive document that allows those grandparents to commence the doctors with medical life-saving care if needed. And it's really, it's a lot of peace of mind. You know, that's not something that I did when I was leaving 
my child with her grandparents, it never occurred to me. Even the doctors never said anything to me about it. And at times, and I know we've got one, he's not quite old enough for this yet, but there'll be times when he'll be coming 400 miles and spending a week Absolutely. with Papa and Grammy. And we don't want and any bad thing to happen, no, of no. course. But we don't want to have to wait for them to be able to get here right. to get treatment. It might, and I'm not talking about life-saving treatment here. Let's say he has a minor break of a bone. Yeah. Kids break arms, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get it treated and get a cast on it. And so he's waiting here at the house for them when they get here. Right. It's just. But we're yeah. able to shortcut that process. Now, in addition to these things, we need all of the info that we talked about for adults. We also need that medical history. We need that contact info, those types of things, allergies, medical history. All of that needs to be on there as well. And one other thing that we are aware of, because there are several of these in the family, Mm -hmm. and that is those that are adopted. Right. You might need to have the adoption papers in certain circumstances. In its own file on that thumb drive. In its own yeah. file. And yeah. so it's not a bad idea to have, just in case you had to prove that you were that child's parent. You know, and all you really have to do is imagine if you happened up upon an unconscious breathing person that you don't know. That person might be seven years old or 77. And it's up to you, and you, you maybe you have a device, and you find that they've got this... Uh, device around their neck, you can at least know something. It's It keeps you from feeling panicky and helpless. Uh, and it might be the kind of thing that, you know, if you find someone that is unconscious but breathing, heart's beating, breathing, maybe you want to carefully see if they are carrying something around their neck or a bracelet or something that would be loadable into a computer. And we're not really looking at the average citizen being able to access this. No, this is a strictly an emergency type thing. But it's a good thing to point out to any emergency responders arriving, look, they've got a device around their neck that says medical info. Yes, because something like that. Anytime you approach a situation that appears to be a medical emergency, However, you should contact 911 or whatever the emergency service is if you're in a foreign country, foreign for us, home to you. But yes, certainly uh, alert authorities first. Mm -hmm. Before you do anything, alert the authorities and then take measures, if you possibly can, to access information without being offensive to their privacy or anything like that. Really, and I've seen this quite a few times over the years. Uh, you get there, they're unconscious, you have no idea who they are, and you just have to start down the checklist and you have to start picking things off. You have to start ruling things out. You'll rule out a drug overdose, they'll give Narcan. They'll rule out diabetes or insulin shock by giving D50. This could shortcut the path to the care that you need if you provide this information. It's amazing how something that small can be that big. In your life. And. You know, stuff does happen. We want you to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.